0: Good morning, church. Thank you so much, worship team. What a beautiful time to worship together. I got chills. Did you guys get chills for after singing those beautiful words? Yeah, I get them too. Um, good morning, church. I am so glad to be here with you today. I am so grateful for you, you guys here in person, if you're online, um, if you're listening to us through a podcast, whatever, however you guys are here. I am so glad, and I am... I'm really excited to to chat with you guys today. So um, if I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, my name is Lizette Lara. I am one of the pastors on staff here at Santa Cruz Bible. Um, And if you're joining us for summer, for the first time this summer, we are doing a series called The Spirit of Summer. So basically we are focusing in on the characteristics of God that are further revealed in us as we get closer to God, as we get to know more about God, um, as we get closer to Him through Jesus. And the five the characteristics that we call the fruits of the Spirit that are listed in Galatians 5, those are the ones we are going through. So things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I haven't had it memorized, I don't know if you had, maybe you got the sticker in VBC at some point. I have not gotten that. So I have not memorized it yet. Um, If you've been here the last few weeks, Pastor Matt and Pastor Scott um, got the honor of being able to do the two that are probably the hardest, which is self-control and patience. So lucky for them and lucky for me, I get to uh, talk to you about one of the fun ones, which is love. I love it. (laughs) Much more fun topic today. So buckle up. No. Uh, (laughs) Love is such an interesting topic because there's so many things to to say about it, so many things to talk about with it. You know, it really inspires so much of our culture, of our music, of our art. It leads the way to massive, powerful movements of justice, of love, of reconciliation. And it creates and brings together communities and families, you know, like my own. You know, I love my husband, I love our three-year-old daughter, I love my family, I love my friends, I love my community and my church family. You know, but it's also a word that we kind of throw around and use for, you know, sometimes mundane things. You know, for example, I don't know if you would call it mundane, but I love the smell of forest trees. And I love the sound of crashing waves. I mean, Santa Cruz, who doesn't? Um, And I love champurrado and bolillos during Christmas time. And my friends, if you don't know what that is, come talk to me after the service because you are missing out. You know, and I love drinking coffee, and I love meeting new people, and I love eating good food with good friends, and I love riding around Aptos with my little beach cruiser and my little wicker basket and my little bell. It's so much fun, and I love Costco. Okay. I love Costco. I really do. And I can't chalk it up to being like a mom and an adult. I mean, I've had it since I was 18. I love, will always, I will take it to the grave, I love Costco so much. Um, (laughs) You know, and you probably, maybe you love Costco as much as I do, maybe not. Maybe you have a similar set of things that you would start naming and how much you love them and the reasons why might be different too. So you might not like coffee the way I do, but you like the way it breaks you up in the morning. Um, you You may not like living by the beach simply because of the ocean. Maybe you just really love the weather, or you live for the seclusion and the environment of the mountains. You know, some of these things you may have connected with, and some of them you may not be able to live without. And some of them require quite a bit of sacrifice. But because you love them so much, you're willing to put in the work for them. You know, having kids, for example as some of you may know, requires many, many sacrifices. You know, I only have one, but, you know, raising her well requires a lot of my time, my energy, my money, my sanity. Um, Also, living in Santa Cruz requires a lot of sacrifice because it's so expensive to live here. You know, for us, that required us to sell our house in Fresno to come move here and become forever renters, you know, even with both of us working full-time jobs. You know, you might relate, and these sacrifices are hard. Don't let anybody tell you different, they're really hard. You know, the thing is, we're willing to make these sacrifices, though, because we love living in Santa Cruz. I mean, let's be real, it's awesome. The weather is absolute heaven compared to Fresno. I'm sorry, I will not go back to Fresno in the middle of summer. Sorry, mom and dad. I, you're going to have to wait until the winter. I have an eight-minute drive to the beach. I see glimpses of the ocean on my way to work every day. I, um, if I feel like I need to go to, to a boardwalk, to the boardwalk, I can go during the week in the middle of the day as a nice little treat for myself, you know? If I need quiet, I can go to many of of our local state parks and take a nice little hike. You know, I'm sure you guys have lots of reasons why you love living here. You know, we also love our kids. And we keep going, well, because we have to, but also because we love them. And we want them happy and healthy, and for them to know that they are deeply loved. And so we realize that our love, Motivates us to keep going and feeling like all of these sacrifices are worth it. You know, and as Christians, love is central to everything we have and everything we are. We know how to love and sacrifice because God first loved and sacrificed for us. We would not be here without God loving us, creating us, giving to us, sacrificing for us, and walking with us. This is who he is, and if, he wants, if we want to center ourselves in who he is and learn to be more like Christ, we have to learn how God loves. So in 1 John 4, nine to 10, it said, God's, real, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. This love is so very clearly unconditional and sacrificial. We didn't choose it, he didn't condition it, he gave it. It was unconditional, he had a sacrifice for it and it was given to us so freely God's love was revealed in his sacrifice for us, for our good, for our salvation, for our abundant life. We didn't choose it or earn it. He did it out of love for us. You know, Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It was not because we chose God first, it was not because we are regular churchgoers. It's not because we grew up singing Jesus songs. It's not because we've memorized verses or have them as wall art in our homes. It's simply because of God's love for us. God's very nature and being is love. And it's who he is and he demonstrates that he demonstrates that to everyone and it's his motivation for saving us and walking with us in this life. And let me tell you, and believe me when I say, when you've experienced this love, you will never be the same. If you haven't experienced this love, let me tell you about it, it is powerful and transformative. If you've experienced this love, you understand what that means. Because it really, there's nothing like it. If you've never experienced it in your life, it's so hard to explain because it's just, it, it is what it is. It's so amazing and powerful. So one example that we have in the New Testament is a guy named Paul. So you, not our worship leader today, um, Paul from the Bible. Um, before he was named Paul, he was a guy named Saul. I know it rhymes. Um, and he persecuted and called for the death of, Je- of Jesus' followers. You know, he was a religious zealot that hated what he couldn't control, and he lived out his hateful judgment by arresting and sending Jesus' followers to their judgment in front of the chief priests. And in the book of Acts, Jesus reveals himself to Saul, and it changes the entire course of his life. His new name, Paul, and his new life become one of love of God and his people. Not only did he become one of the boldest preachers of the name of Jesus, he also became the author of many of the New Testament books that we read through and learn from today. You know, he wrote in Philippians 4, 12 to 13, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry Whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul clearly learned firsthand what the power of the love of Christ feels like and can do. And he let it shape how and why he did anything moving forward. So if we take the example set before us by Paul and let that love that we've been giving shape us, how different do you think would the people of God express this love to the world? In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 to 40, it says, you know, Jesus taught that the greatest commandment of the law is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You know, and if we follow this command out of the wealth of love that's been given to us, what would change in this world? Saul's purpose and motivation for power and control put, made him put his time and effort into persecuting the church. I wouldn't even say that a lot of our political leaders... Um, just like Saul, was even motivated by fear. Fear of this unknown figure named Jesus. Fear that his dedicated followers would rise up against the current controlling corrupt powers. Fear of what it would mean if the words of Jesus were actually true. He would have to confront his desire for power and question everything that he knew to be true. Then Jesus met him on the way to Damascus and showed him exactly what would cast out those fears and his desires for power, Jesus' love. When Paul finally experienced it and was hit with the power of this love, his motivation changed. And when his motivation changed, his efforts changed. The letters that he wrote to the churches of the time and to individual leaders were ones that addressed circumstances that they all were facing and dealing with at the time. He wanted to give them advice and encouragement for living out their own purpose in Christ. That was what Christ had called him to. That's what God had called him to. And that helped shape the early church and the church that we know now. You know, I don't know how much, I don't know all of your guys' journeys with Jesus, but I wanted to share a little bit about my own journey with uh, with Jesus. So I didn't grow up in the church. I grew up culturally Catholic. Um, Before I met Jesus, I like to call them my BC days, my before Christ days. You know, and all I knew about Christianity was literally a bunch of rules. And I think you guys can relate sometimes to this. Um, It was just rules to live right. Don't do this, don't do that. Make sure to tell other people what they're doing wrong so they can live right too. You know, so the sermons that I heard in mass and, and everything, felt really flat on someone who didn't understand the love of Jesus. And I, I knew how to act right. I knew how to look right. And in a really unhealthy way, I was motivated by the acceptance that I received when I looked right and did all the right things. But those that really knew me knew that I had a really deep anguish. I was really lonely and really insecure. I struggled with depression and I didn't have the resources, I didn't have the support, I didn't even have the language to say what was going on with me. So I hid it and thought that my desires for success, you know, having a good job, a, um, a college degree, all that good stuff would be enough to just keep me going. But there was a point in my life that was the lowest and the loneliest time. And on the verge of taking another attempt at my own life, I heard an audible voice and it said, you only need me. That voice is burned into my memory I really have horrible memory, but I will never forget that moment in my life because I knew it was God reaching out to me exactly where I was as a sinner who's done nothing that would earn the love and approval of a perfect God that sees everything. I can't hide. He knew exactly what I did. He knew the alcohol I consumed. He knew all the choices I made. He knew as I was sobbing on that floor, crying out that that I needed him. And he came to me exactly there. And he saved me that day and I dedicated my life to him. And I was so overwhelmed by the grace and compassion that I received. I couldn't keep quiet about it. I had to tell everybody about this amazing God and this amazing love that I never even knew existed. You know, and it's been now 12 years since I became a Christian, and it's been a really big roller coaster of lots of good things and lots of bad things. But I can confidently say that the thing that has kept me going in all those times is that love that was freely given to me and continues to be freely given to me and continuously sustains me. I've been a leader and a follower in church, in different ministries um, for quite a few years. And let me tell you, we don't always get things right. Okay, Christians, even as Christians out in the world, we aren't always motivated by by God's love. But let's face it, we are broken and imperfect people. I am still a broken and imperfect person. I can't tell you how many times I've had to stop myself or somebody that I trust has had to stop me in the middle of something and ask the question, you know, where is this coming from? Why are we doing what we're doing? What is our motivation? And even when we say it's love, we must ask love of what? I would feel confident in saying that the loudest and the most hateful Christians usually on TV and, you know, in big, powerful positions, when asked their motivation, it would, they would say it's love. But the love that is required of us is patient. It's kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. This love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. This love never fails. Those verses are not just for married people to read on their wedding day. Uh, (laughs) These are to remind us what that love looks like when we are motivated by it. This is what it looks like. But this love is hard. It requires a lot from us. It requires humility and patience. It requires sacrifice. But the unconditional and sacrificial love that we continue to receive is what can and will keep us going. Do not forget about the powerful and transformative power it has. The love we have for our kids keeps us pouring out everything that we have for them. The love we have for our, city, for our city of Santa Cruz keeps us hustling and budgeting. And the love we have for Costco keeps us paying that membership fee and waiting those long lines for those receipts. Yes. Uh-huh. So, can I get an amen today, this morning? Thank you. <laughs> <I'll reach it. laughs> when we encounter the struggles in our relationships, Let's remember the love that we have for that person. Even if you have to dig real deep, find that love for that person because they are made in the image of God too. And it can change how we react and respond to them. When we encounter difficulty in the political arena and opposing views, let us ground ourselves in the love of God and neighbor because this is what is commanded of us. When we face hardships in our lives, let's remember that God is our strength and that the love he gives us is enough to endure and grow in the midst of anything that life throws at us. Just as God was motivated by his love for us, let's let that love fuel us to be the love and strength that this world needs. Let's pray. Oh, good and heavenly Father, you are amazing. We preach how amazing you are and how big you are and what, how holy you are. And while all those things are true, Lord, what motivated us to come to you in the first place was the love that you freely poured out to us. I know because I had no other reason but to get down on my knees and proclaim the love of Jesus because I had nothing else. And Lord, when we have nothing else, it is simply to point it back to you and remind ourselves what you've given us. And that is this powerful and transformative love that always endures. And we thank you that through our brokenness and through our imperfections and the things we decide to do, and sometimes our motivations are twisted. We know that you come through anyways. We know that your love endures, so keep pointing us back to you, your example, your love, your power, your Holy Spirit. Use us in those mighty ways, Lord, and sustain us, for we are, we are just imperfect people. And you are a perfect God. And we thank you for all that you give. In Jesus' name, amen.